worrying. Just take a minute, stop whatever it is that has you worked up. Stop. Most of us have a really difficult time coming to a complete stop. I remember going on a jog with a friend. He was from a few states away, and he'd come to visit me in Maine. It was supposed to be a week-long visit, but it had turned into a month and then a couple of months drawing the ire of his mother. We were both in our early 20s and we were in relatively decent shape. And so it was that these two dashing young men were out jogging alongside a town road in rural Maine. We were about a mile into our run and we came to our first real hill. Nothing particularly strenuous, but enough to get the sweat going. And that's when my friend changed. He kept running, but his, his gait was funny. And his arms started flailing against his chest and then his toes were pointed inward. And he was headed towards a small parking lot on the side of the road. Hey, I started yelling at him, hey, are you okay? And he kept running, and his feet were now dragging across the gravel, and his head was tilted sideways. What was going on? Was this some kind of seizure? I didn't know what was happening. I said, hey, and I started chasing after him. He needed to stop. On the other side of this parking lot that he was running at was a drop-off. He really needed to stop. But most of us have a difficult time coming to a complete stop. We're running, and sometimes running is right. But sometimes it's time to stop when you lose your form and when your gait gets off and when your head becomes tilted and you're losing your sense of direction. Sometimes you really just need to stop. You might need help to stop. You might need someone saying, hey, are you okay? You might need help to stop. Do you need help to stop? I'm guessing that many of us will say, yes, actually, I do need help. Thank you for bringing this up. Can you help me stop? Amen? Peter Steinke laments our inability to stop in his book, Uproar, a book about leadership in a world where we just keep, you know, running. He says, in the World Mental Health Survey, Americans were the most anxious people in the 14 countries studied, even more than people in Nigeria, Lebanon and Ukraine. According to Google Trends, the number of web searches for the term anxiety has doubled in the last five years. In her book, 
iGen, Professor Jean Twenge surprisingly discovered that iGeners seem terrified. Perhaps it's facetious to say, as one commentator has, that we can make a strong case for being the gold medalists in the anxiety Olympics. We look like my friend, all twisted up and running. In the way that we respond to something that we find disagreeable, run after it, set them straight. In the way that we approach our goals, run after them, strike them out. In the way that we establish our status, and status is everything, isn't it? Run after it, show them up. Sometimes we even look like my friend when we are trying to do good works. Run after it, solve all the things. Only we're all off, off kilter. This is what is happening in today's story with Mary and Martha. The story, by the way, follows the story of the Good Samaritan. A really important thing to note. Because if you don't know that story, Jesus uses a parable about a man in a ditch to teach a lawyer about what it means to be a neighbor. A priest and a Levite walk by the wounded man, but a Samaritan stops and helps. I get it, we say alongside the lawyer and everyone else that's listening. Jesus wants us to be the ones that do that we do for others, right? Right, but that makes today's scene, the one that immediately follows the Good Samaritan, a bit confounding. It's Martha that does. It's Martha that offers Jesus this space to come in after a long day of travel. It's Martha that makes all of the preparation. It's Martha in all of her doing that tries to be a good listener. I mean, Jesus has just finished explaining the importance of hospitality in that story of the Good Samaritan, and she's applying the teacher like all, implying the teaching like all good disciples should. So why isn't Jesus saying, well done, Martha? Why isn't Jesus saying that? I'm so proud of you. You took what I just taught you what you just heard in the previous story, and you applied it. What a good student. If any of you have ever been a coach or a teacher, you just love it when you say, swing it this way. And the player goes and does that exact thing, but Jesus, who's just taught this story, rebukes Martha as she applies it. He calls her name twice, in fact. Not once, but twice. He says, Martha, Martha. Which is a cue for her and for all of us that it's really time to listen because this only happens seven times in the whole Bible that a name is called twice, like Martha, Martha. Abraham, Abraham. God needed Abraham to listen and not sacrifice his son. Do you remember that story? 
Jacob, Jacob. God needed him to listen and lead his family to Egypt. Moses, Moses. God needed him to listen and take heed of the burning bush. Samuel, Samuel. It was time for the young boy to become a prophet. Simon, Simon. Jesus identifies his denier at the Last Supper. Saul, Saul. God calls out to him in the moment of his conversion on the road to Damascus. These are all turning point moments. I would dare say that you knew most of these stories. And they're moments that we can all see a need for in our own lives. Moments to point to as we try to trust God like Abraham and Jacob tried. As we try to live into our calling like Moses and Samuel. And as we consider who Jesus really is to us, like Peter did, and like Paul was. But the moment we're offered today in this text is a turning point moment of the highest order too. It's set alongside all of those turning point moments. That's how important it is when Jesus says, Martha, Martha. I want you to take a moment and listen really closely. Do you hear your name being called? Is it being called twice? Is there a drop-off between what you're running toward with your arms and legs all out of sync? Might it be time to turn towards home? There can be a lot of guilt that comes with that question, I know, especially with so many people in the ditch and so few Samaritans out there trying to help with their needs. I know, maybe that's why Jesus had to call her name twice so that she can be sure that it is, as Culpepper writes, neither the story of the Good Samaritan nor the story of Mary and Martha is complete without the other. Each makes its own point. The Samaritan loves his neighbor, and Mary loves her Lord. But the model for the disciple is to be found in the juxtaposition of the two. The life of the disciple requires both. Craig Barnes, president of Princeton Seminary, said, There's a Mary and a Martha living inside each and every one of you. Now, one of them is more dominant than the other. But to be whole, you have to attend to that other voice. It might just be that if you haven't been home for a while, home like Mary was and like Martha wanted to be, you aren't doing much good for the ones in the ditch, and if you are, you won't be for very long. In fact, there's scientific evidence that shows that all of this pushing, all of this running is, as neurobiologist Bruce McEwen puts it, making us dumber and limiting our repertoire of responses. Other research shows that ongoing stress actually lowers our IQ temporarily and without a pattern of life that allows time for the dust to settle or the air to clear in our decision-making and incessant doing, we are in for, as some have called, 
a race to the bottom of the brainstem. Martha, Martha. Is that your name too? Is it time to hear the call to come home to Jesus? Maybe that hasn't felt like an option in a very long time. What with all there is to do. It wouldn't have felt, by the way, it wouldn't have felt like an option for Mary and Martha either to come home. Women were not even allowed to sit at the feet of any rabbi in that time and place. But Jesus says, this is possible. This right here, it's possible even for you. Even for you who are managing too many problems, it's possible. Even for you who are fixated on one mistake or another, if it was possible for Mary, it's possible for you. Even for you who cannot get over it, whatever it is that needs to be gotten over, it's possible, honestly, it's possible to stop and come home. If it was possible for Mary, if it was possible for Martha, it's possible for you. You have to know it's possible to stop and come home. Even for you who, like Martha, you just want to make life better for everyone, even if it means that you are going to combust. Possible. If it was possible for Mary, if it was possible for Martha, it's possible. Stop saying it's not possible. When Jesus makes space for these two women, he's saying, even for you, it is possible to sit at the feet of Jesus, to be a person of prayer, to care about contemplation. Even for you, it is possible to come home. What a gift. That is, no. But even that direct invitation from the one who was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end, amen. Even that direct invitation won't be enough for most of us, will it? Like I said, most of us have a very difficult time coming to a complete stop. And life has started to look too much like my friend on the day that he was running. And we can't even hear if someone's out there calling our name, calling it twice. And we can't even hear if people are out there saying, hey, hey, are you okay? Like I was for my friend. My friend stopped. He stopped just before the drop-off. But it wasn't because he chose to. That's how it goes, you know. You will stop. It's just better when it's your choice to do so. He collapsed. I don't want you to collapse. His face flopped right off the ground. And I can remember running to him and turning him over and brushing the tiny rocks off of his face. We called an ambulance and it came and he went straight to the hospital and was hooked up to machines for a couple of days and they never figured out what was wrong with him. 
but his, his mother rushed in from out of state. And she told him, you're coming home. Like any good mother would. And they would get to see some specialists and tell him what kind of activities he would need to avoid. And you know what he did? He went home. And I'm glad he did. Because if he didn't, we would have just started running again. Because we were two boys who had a penchant for pretending that we were invincible to dropping. It happened once, surely it wouldn't happen again. And the same goes for most of us. Because most of us have a difficult time coming to a complete stop. Whether our names are called two times or two thousand times. Surely we're immune to what no one on the planet has ever been immune to. Even you need to come home. And it is possible. Even you are invited home. Sit with Jesus. But I wonder if you will. I wonder if we will. Because we know that at the end of all of this, Jesus will be there. He'll be there to open the door for us to his father's house. And so I think that it might be that the stopping that we do here will determine how the furniture feels there. You know? I think that the stopping and coming home that we do here will determine the feeling of the furniture there. How familiar it will be. Well, I hope, I don't know about you, but I hope it feels just like home. Amen.